All right, folks, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to uh, the letter to the Colossians in the New Testament. Colossians, we're in chapter 4. We're actually going to wrap up our series in Colossians today. We're going to focus on uh, verses 7 through 18, Colossians. And our message, we're going to call it a new family. Now, this section that we're going to be looking at here today is really the closing remarks that Paul is making to the Colossians, and it's basically greetings from others, concern about others, and from that we're going to kind of learn some things today about being a new family. So let me just kind of remind you what we've been doing as we have been going through Colossians. As we've been going through Colossians, our focus has been the relationship that you and I now have with Jesus because of salvation. And because of that relationship, he's made you new. You don't have to rule your life by religious rituals or actions. That's what, that's what they were struggling with in Colossae at the time. At the time, most of the church was Jewish. There were Gentile believers who now... And, and those Gentiles were struggling with, do they need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow the new moons and the festivals and so forth? And, and Paul's saying, no, you are new in Christ. You don't have to live your life by rituals. We say, George, we don't struggle with the whole issue of new moons and festivals and circumcision. No, but people will tell you that in order for you to be accepted with Jesus, you need to dress a certain way, carry a certain Bible, come to church, do this, do that, and you'll be okay with God. Well, your acceptance with Jesus has nothing to do with any of that. Your acceptance with Jesus has to do with your faith and trust in him and the relationship now that you have with him. And because of that relationship, you're a new you. You're somebody new. And so then he talked about how out of that relationship, here's what you should be pursuing. Here's who you are, here's the attitudes, here's the actions. So now we come to verse 7 of chapter 4. And with these greetings, he's actually going to open up another dimension for us. And it's about church. He's going to talk about what you and I should be as a church. And that is a new family. You say, why, why do we need to look at that? Well, because I'll be honest with you, we have a wrong understanding sometimes about church. So let me give you two points here. Here's the first one. We tend to misunderstand what the nature and purpose of church is. We tend to misunderstand what the nature and purpose of church is. If you were to talk to the typical person in an everyday basis and say to them, what is church? Here's, here's what they think. They think it's the building. Or they think it's the organization. I belong to the organization. Or they think about the social aspect of I'm a member there and, I, and, and this is where my family goes or whatever. All of those are good concepts of church, but that's not a biblical concept of church. A biblical concept of church is so much more than that. It's not the building. Do you understand a church exists whether there is a building or not? It's not whether or not the church is incorporated with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania or not. That, that's not the issue. It's not 
that type of thing when we talk about a church. Churches have always existed from the time that Jesus left and the Spirit came down in Pentecost, the church has existed. It has manifested itself in local groups of believers. But most of us don't understand that. That's why we like to say here at, at our church, it's more than a worship service. Because that's another thing. Church is the service to attend. But we're not talking about a service to attend when we talk about a church. Okay? So the first thing, we tend to misunderstand. Here, here's the second thing I want you to see. Scripture presents a different perspective on the church. The Bible presents a completely different perspective. And can I tell you what that perspective is? Family. It's family. That's the perspective that you and I need to see. It's the family of God. And you and I, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, are a part of that family. You are a part of it. And, and as a family, you understand, when you think about your family, you're not thinking about a house, although you might be, grandma's house or something. You're thinking about the people in it. The mom and dad and the kids and the grandkids and so forth. You're not thinking about the marriage license. You're thinking about the people. And that's the perspective that we're talking about. Even, you say, well, it doesn't he give us the illustration of the church being like a body? Yes, he says, a body with many members, and each member has a role. Again, it's about people and the role that they have within that body. But never does it present itself as the organization. Never does it present itself as some sort of purpose to be sought after. It's about the people. And that's what we're going to see today. What we're going to look today in verse 7, you say, well, these are the things I just kind of usually brush over, the greetings and so forth. Yes, but from the, from the greetings, you're going to see that it's about family. From the greetings and the, the directions that Paul gives, you're going to see that church is a whole, about a whole lot more than just a service. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to look with me. It'll be up on the screen for you. Let's look at verse 7, okay? Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for the very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Eraticus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always, always laboring fervently for you in prayer 
that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I bear, wit I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and, and those here in Hyalopolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus in the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that you likewise wise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own, by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you all. Amen. All right, now, you say, okay, George, we're going to get something from that? Yeah, from these greetings and from these salutations and from these instructions, we're going to see a glimpse of what church is, or what church should be about. Because the actions of these people and the things that they're told to do is the kind of stuff that we should be doing as a church with each other. Do you understand? As a family. And there's six things I want to point out to you here. Six things that talk to you about what church is. All right, so let's take a look at the first one. Look with me at verse 7 and 8. He's talking about Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister. But notice what it says in verse 8. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. All right, here's the first one. It's about being concerned about others and comforting them. Listen, folks, one of the major things about what church is, it's about knowing what's going on in the lives of other people and comforting them, being there for them. Because look, it's so easy in church, especially if it's just a service. You just show up, take your seat, service happens, you get back in the car, you head out either to go eat, have dinner somewhere in town or go home and have your dinner, and then you don't see them again until when? The next week. And if it's just a service, you don't really need to get to know people. But see, if it's family, you want to know what's happening in their life. How was your week? Oh, so that's happening. How are you handling that? And then in moments, you can be a comfort to them. Because the reality is, is when you have a group of people who meet together as a church, somebody didn't have a good week. Somebody didn't have a good number of weeks. Somebody's going through something where they need to be what? Heard, understood, and comforted. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's what church is about. Church, an organization doesn't think in terms of where people are at, but the church needs to be thinking in terms of what? Where people are at. So the first thing we see from these greetings is, I'm sending Tychicus to you so that he can what? Be informed about what's going on around you and what? Comfort you. Be there for you. That's what church is about. 
knowing and bearing one another's burdens. In fact, isn't that what he talks about in other passages of Scripture? That we're to what? Bear one another's burdens? How do you find out about their burdens? You're informed. You talk to them. You're there for them. Okay? Here's the second thing. Look with me at verse 9. And Onesimus. Now, if you go to the letter to Philemon, Philemon is usually connected with this letter to the Colossians. Philemon was an elder in the Colossian church. He was also a slaveholder, and one of his slaves ran away, who is Onesimus, and when Onesimus ran away, he got saved. So Paul writes a letter, Philemon, concerning Onesimus. He sent it around the same time as this letter to kind of, kind of give some direction to Philemon about what to do with Onesimus, his runaway slave. But he's going to talk about Onesimus here. Here he is. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. So again, he's talking about him being from Colossians. Here's what he said. They will make known to you all the things which are happening here. All right, what can we get from that? Here's the second thing. It's about being aware of what is happening with others. Here's what happens, folks. I know because I've been there. When you go throughout your week and you've got stuff that you've got to do, plans that you're trying to achieve, the difficulties of life happening in your own life, whether they be family problems, health problems, work problems, financial issues, add to that any number of stuff, here's what you're thinking about yourself. Am I not right? How am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? How can I handle this? And so your focus, even when you come to church and you sit down, here's what you want from God. God, help me with my problems. Help me get through this. But see, church has to be more than just about you. Church has to be about what? Each other. And so when you talk about coming to church, you need to be aware of what's going on around other people. It's not a good thing to it be said, oh, I didn't know that was going on in your life, and it's been going on for six or seven months in their life, and everybody knows about it but you. That's not a good thing. So it's about being aware. So Onesimus was going to come and what? He was going to inform them, instruct them about what's happening with Paul. What's happening with Paul? He's in prison. In this letter, he's in prison. He's in chains. For what? The gospel. So he's coming to report to them how they can pray for him, how they can support Paul while he's in chains. What do you mean support Paul while he's in chains? Well, the Roman system of jails is completely different than our system of jails. You had to have people bring you food in prison to feed you. If there was nobody to feed you, guess what? You died in prison. The government didn't take care of you. The Roman government couldn't care less. You're in prison. So they had to have people come, what? Bring them clothes, bring them blankets, bring them stuff while they're in chains. So Onesimus was going to give them a report, make them aware, because that's what church is about. It's about being aware of what's going on in the lives of others, and then what? Help them make a decision about what they needed to do to support Paul. So that's what's going on there. It's about being aware of what's happening with others. 
But it's also more than that, because here's the danger with church. Well, let me tell you what it says here, first of all. Look with me at verse 10. Aristarchus, excuse me, it's a Greek name. My fellow prisoner greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. I want you to focus on that phrase, of the circumcision. Oh, by the way, when it says Jesus here, don't be freaked out. Some guy called Jesus. Jesus was a common name back then, kind of like Bill or Bob, just so you're aware. But they don't refer to him as Jesus here. They refer to him as what? Justice. He's taken the name Justice rather than being called Jesus. But here's the point. Church wasn't just the people who are like you. Church is other people as well. So here's what I want you to see. It's about readily welcoming others into the family of God. When he refers to them as being of the circumcision, he's pointing out here that these are devout Jews. These are people who adhere to the Jewish law, but they are of the family of God. So you, who you Gentiles there in Colossae, you accept them. See, this is what church is about. Church is about accepting people no matter where they're from, what they believe in, who they vote for. Church is about what? Accepting them into the family of God. Because let's be honest, it's not who you root for in a football game that is the basis for coming to church, right? If that were, we'd have a church war here. Okay? It's about what? It's about Jesus. That's the whole basis for our being together as a church. It's about Jesus. So if somebody comes in and they're wearing a different football jersey than you're used to wearing, and that happens here sometimes, what do you do? You suck it up and you still love them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You still love them. That's what it's for. It's about accepting people where they're at. See, that's what it's about. That's what church really is. So here we see that in verse 10. Let's go on. Verse 11. Look with me at verse 11. And Jesus, who is called justice, those who are my fellow workers for the kingdom, who have the circumcision, who have proved uh, of the circumcision. Here's the second point I want you to see here. It's about accepting other believers who are different from you. It's about accepting other believers who are different from you. That's whether they have the skin, same skin color, whether they're from the same social economic class as you, whether they're from the same ethnicity. It's about accepting others. That's what it's about. All right, look with me at verse 12 and 13. He moves on now to something that's even spiritual here. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently in your, in, laboring for you in prayers that you may 
stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, here's the thing. It's about praying for each other in our relationship with Jesus. All right, so let's talk for a moment. I want you to think about our church. We have, oh, we have probably, you know, if I, on certain days I can count it right, we have over 100 people, sometimes 120 people, who claim that this is their church family, okay? They don't always all show up here, but they claim that they're here. So they'll come sometimes, sometimes they're not here, but they claim to be a part of this church. All right. Now, if we think about those 120 people, are they all on the same level of spiritual maturity? Are they? No, no, they're not. Are they at different levels? Are there some who are really mature? They've been walking with Jesus for a long time? Yeah. Then there are others who have, what, just started to walk with Jesus? Very immature, but they just started their walk, yeah. Are there some who maybe have known Jesus for a long time, but they haven't grown at all? Would you agree with that one as well? Yeah, okay. Now listen to me. Why do we expect everybody to be the same? Because they're at different levels. You can't. So what does that mean? Our focus needs to be what? Bringing them to the place where they start to what? mature. How do we do that? First thing he says here, Epaphras did what? Prayed fervently for them to get there. What? He prayed that they would get there. What do you mean get there? Look with what it says here. It says he labored fervently for, for you in prayers that you may stand perfect. Okay, first of all, anybody here perfect? No. You're not going to be perfect till you go to be with Jesus, but who perfects you? Jesus. So he's praying what? God, perfect them, mature them, and that they are complete in all the will of God. That they're mature in understanding the will of God. Now, here's the thing. So when I pray for you, I don't focus on, I can't believe, Lord, that he's still doing that. What I'm praying is, no, Lord, I'm praying that you help them to grow. That you help them to mature. Because, Lord, if they belong to you, what does it say? He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Who's the one who does the work? Is it the wife? No. Is it the husband? No. Is it... Leaders in the church who mold them and beat them into submission? No, it's what? Jesus, the Spirit of God who perfects them. So what am I doing? I'm saying, God, you do it. You help them. Lord, yes, they plucked my nerves this week. It shows that they're a work in progress. Can you help them? See, that's what church is about. It's about all of us being ready for who, folks? Jesus. And helping each other grow. That's what church is about. My, this just occurred to me. Okay, so you know sometimes one of my roles, you know, here in the community is with the ministerium and, and I'm the, quote, treasurer 
And so I have to help people sometimes with their, with their needs, whether it's for fuel oil or maybe paying a water bill or something. And, you know, and so I've talked to a lot of people through the years. I've been doing that now since 2004. So for 17 years, I've had that role here in our community. And one of the things I'm supposed to ask them is, do you go to church anywhere? That's one of the questionnaire I ask. I'm supposed to find that. And then I tell them, that's not going to determine whether or not you get any help from us. I'm just trying to find out. And so I'm supposed to encourage them then if they don't have a church home. Here, you know, there's 10 churches. You may be shocked by that. There are 10 churches here in Kerwinsville. I'm sure you can find a church home. And sometimes I'm told, yeah, we thought about that. But I don't have the clothes. That's the first one I hear all the time. Really? Or, we've thought about that, but there's no way we can be like them. Really? Is that what we're communicating as a church or as churches? That you've got to be a certain way to come find Jesus? when we already recognize that within our own body of believers, we're not perfect, we're all on the same road, heading in the same direction, we're all growing, we're not reached perfection yet. Why do we expect perfection from people outside coming in? We, we shouldn't do that. Why? We should be what? Praying that we accept others and help each other to what? Get to where we need to be. That's what it's talking about. It's praying about being about a church that what prays for each other to grow in our faith, in our relationship. Here's the other thing. Kind of feels, find this in verse 17. It's some instructions here. Obviously there was this Archippus fella who had been given a job. And so Paul's going to give him some encouragement here and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received from the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Ministry here can also be translated task. Sometimes when we look at ministry, we're thinking, well, you know, God hasn't called me to be a pastor like you, George, or a missionary, or even a Sunday school teacher. That obviously doesn't mean anything to me. Well, yeah, it does. It's, it's a task. It's a service. Take heed to the service that God has given you. So here, it's about encouraging each other to fulfill the task that God has given us. That's what church is about. So church is about encouraging moms to be a mom. Encouraging dads to be a dad. It's about encouraging you, if you're working wherever it is, to be the worker that you need to be there. It's encouraging you to be the neighbor that you're supposed to be in the neighborhood or in the neck of the woods that you live in. It's encouraging you to be a faithful follower of Jesus in the family clan that you belong to. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about you serving Jesus right where you're at. You don't have to have a special calling. We don't need to have an examination to see if you're called by God and then ordain you. That's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about you fulfilling the service that you're supposed to be doing in the Lord that he has given you. 
And folks, he's given each of you a service. You say, well, I, I don't have a family to do that with, so I can't be a dad or a mom. Who, what am I supposed to do? Well, then here, be the friend that you're supposed to be. Be the neighbor. But something, God has put you somewhere. Can I tell you something? Every one of you has a divine appointment. What do you mean a divine appointment? You grew up where you grew up because that's where God made you grow up. You live where you live because that's where God told you to live. You work where you work because that's where God told you to work. So live for Jesus there. And be the person that God's called you to be. And the church then, what's the role of the church? Encouraging you to do, to do that where you're at. That's what the reality is. In fact, listen, sometimes, you know what? We put people on such pedestals that God didn't tell them to be put up there on that pedestal. Do you know what the task of a pastor is? Here, I'll tell you what the task of a pastor is. Let's go over, if you have your Bibles, go over with me to Ephesians chapter 4, okay? Ephesians, which is just a couple books back from Colossians. Look with me at verse 11. Here's what he said. And he himself, this is speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles. There are no more apostles, all right? I don't care what some guy said on TV. All right, there were only a certain number. He gave them. Here's this. Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So he gave these certain jobs for a reason. Here's what the reason is. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the work of service, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what the role of a pastor is. He's supposed to help you to equip you so that you what? Serve the task where God has put you. Not just to serve the task where God has put you so that you could also, what? Edify who? The family, the church family, right? Until what point? Until we all reach perfection. Well, if that's when we go meet Jesus, that seems like an endless job. Yep, it is. And that's what the role of a pastor is. So did you do what you're supposed to do? And how do I do it? Be a part of the church. Be a part of the church. So what, what's church about? Here's it, here, let's, let's kind of go through it again. Church is about being concerned for others and comforting them. Church is about being aware of what is happening with others. Church is readily welcoming others into the family of God. Church is accepting other believers who are different than you. Church is about praying for each other to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And church is about encouraging each other to fulfill the task that God has given us. That's what we see from these closing remarks. That's what it's all about, folks. And how can you do that? Because he's made you new. Because he saved you. And he's within you. And he's put you in a new family. That's what it's about. So how do we wrap this up? Well, 
Can I tell you something? The only way we're going to be that kind of church that does these six things, the only way we can be that kind of church is if you are who you need to be. And this is the final point. I've given it to you throughout this entire series. You have to decide to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. It's about you. It's about you and you making the decision to be who you need to be. Listen, it doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? You know what it's like in a family situation where if you've got, you're trying to mend a family situation, if you're saying, well, I'm not going to do anything until they change. How's that going? You still waiting? You can't do that. It's got to be you changing. And so what do you do? You change and you pray that God will change them. Because first of all, you can't change anybody. Lori spent 28 years. She knows. She gave up long ago trying to change me. The reality is, listen to me, you have to be the one who's going to get serious. If the church is going to be who it's going to be, it's got to start with you. So let's start. Let's be who we're supposed to be. And where do we start? With ourselves. It's the only way. Let me pray for you.